Well, hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Nathan Harris. I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration Center, and I want to welcome you all here, whether you're a guest or a regular. Thank you for making us part of your Sunday morning. I know you could have done a lot of different things. You, you could be investing your time in different things, but you decided to invest your time here and now, and I really appreciate that. I'm excited this morning because we're beginning a new series, and the series is based on the short letter of Philippians that's in the New Testament, one of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. And in this series, we're going to be uh, encouraged, we're going to be challenged, and that's going to happen this morning too. Now, as we get going this morning, we're actually only going to be looking at the very first two verses of this entire book. We're going to spend the entire morning on two verses. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And the reason we're going to do that is because in these two verses, the Apostle Paul sets the tone for the entire letter. There's there's a, a voice inflection that he's using, all right? So there's that kind of tone, but there's also a music that he's inviting us into to, to dance to. And, and I say that figuratively in terms of Live, to represent living our lives, the way we live our lives, the story that we live out in our lives. So we've got this tone, this voice inflection that he's going to use, but there's also this music that we get to dance to, that we get to live our lives to. So I want to jump right in. Uh, this is Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and I'm reading out of the NIV. Uh, you can turn to your in your Bible there, or you can open up your Bible app and join along with me. Here it is. Here's what it says. Philippians 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, have you ever read an email or gotten a text from somebody and, and you got offended because of what they said and the way that you heard it. I, I've experienced this myself. Oftentimes I, I have found that I, I will read something that somebody has written to me and, I, and I've imported some meaning because uh, let's face it, we all look at life through our lenses and, and a lot of those lenses are broken and distorted and all of that. And so I oftentimes have looked at texts or emails that people have, have uh, given to me and I've imported meaning into their words. And, and I've gotten offended because it's like, well, what are you talking about? What do you mean by that? Are you telling me that I don't measure up? Are you telling me that I'm not good enough? Are you telling me that I'm not doing a good enough job? And so I, I, I think about these things sometimes and, and I assume that they are bringing a particular tone with me, a particular motive. Now, I, I want to be clear. Words are important. The words we use have real meaning and we need to be very careful about the words we use. The Apostle Paul was very clear about this. If we were to read in the letter of, of Ephesians, we would see Paul saying, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building others up. He says, Your words matter. The things that you say matter. Have you ever heard the old adage, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, I used to say that as a kid, and there is nothing further from the truth than that, 
right? I mean, because words actually do hurt. The, the Proverbs tell us that we have the power of life and death in our tongues. In other words, the words that we speak can bring life or they can tear life down. Our words matter. But so does the way we communicate our words. The words we use are important to our message, but so is our voice inflection. So is our facial expression. So is our body language. I can think of times when I've talked to my son and I'm checking in with him. Hey, buddy, are you okay? And I get this, I'm fine. It's obvious that he's not fine. How do I know that? He said he was fine because of his voice inflection, because of his body language. He was obviously frustrated. Our, the, our demeanor, our, our tone brings helps to bring meaning to the words that we use. And here in Philippians 1, 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul is setting up the tone for the entire rest of the letter to follow. And as we read these two verses, we need to understand a couple of things as we launch out into this study of Philippians that are going to be important for us in our situation today. So these are the things that I want to talk about today, and they're, they're right out of these two verses. First of all, number one, we need to use the tone of a friend. We need to use the tone of a friend. As I've already said, Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul probably in the early 60s, AD 60s, uh, while he was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. So he's sitting in jail, he's in captivity, and he's writing this letter. And as we read and go through this letter, you're going to come across a number of phrases and words that are all going to point to this situation. And, and Paul's actually going to use this situation as an example for his hearers, for those people who are hearing this letter initially, and, and we need to take it that way as well. But we also need to understand regarding this that the church Paul is addressing was established on one of his earliest missionary journeys, probably around A.D. 49. And we can read the account of Paul's first visit to Philippi in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 40. And in this account, Paul finds a group of ladies, all right, which is significant, uh, this group of ladies by a river, and they're, they've gathered there for prayer. Now, why would they do that? Because... These ladies were apparently God-fearers, which meant that they were not uh, ethnic Jews, okay? That, that means that they didn't literally descend from Abraham, but instead they, wanted to, they were Gentiles who wanted to worship the God of the Jews. But in this culture, in order to have what was called a synagogue, which was a place, a center for worship and prayer and, and learning and community, all of those things, the Jews said, listen, in order to have a synagogue, you've got to have 10 Jewish men who are following the law, who are, you know, going through all of the identity markers and, you know, all that kind of a thing in order to establish this. So apparently there was no synagogue for them to show up to. So Paul goes out, he hears about them, he goes out to this river, he, he finds this group of ladies, and he tells them about Jesus. And he invites them into following Jesus along with him. And, and so even though they don't have a synagogue, now all of a sudden they have a house church. They start meeting in this, this, the house of this wealthy lady. All right? 
And, and we don't know exactly how long Paul was in Philippi at, at this point, but we know that he was there long enough to establish a very deep, meaningful friendship with these people. And that's the tone Paul uses immediately right out of the gates with this church. He uses the tone of friendship. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. Now, in most of Paul's letters, the way that he, op- he, he does the greeting and he opens up is he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He doesn't do that here, but why does he do that other places? Well, it's because... What he's going to say, he wants them to understand, listen, I'm an apostle. I have a place of authority, and I've got the right to be able to speak these things into your life. So the the title is lending weight to his authority and right to be able to speak these things. But he doesn't take that line with the Philippians. Instead, he addresses them as friends. He addresses them as friends friends. He talks to them on the basis of their genuine friendship. What does that have to do with us today? I I once had a friend who had to correct me because of the way I had spoken to somebody else. I used a tone and even some words that weren't really good. I didn't really intend anything super malicious by it, but it was obvious that there was something else going on underneath. But my friend, when he corrected me, when when he challenged me, he didn't come to me and say, you are not supposed to talk that way. The Bible says you're supposed to love. The Bible says you're supposed to do this, that, or the other thing. No, he didn't do that. He said, dude, I, I love you. I care about you. What's going on? You see, he corrected me out of our friendship. And guess what? It worked. It worked for us, for me specifically, that he did that. Now, this is so important for us right now in our current situation, because let's face it, many of us are spending a lot of time with a specific set of human beings. And it's really easy for us to get on each other's nerves, including our very last nerves. This last week, I think it was my my daughter she, uh, while my wife was busy doing something else, my daughter decided to grab a permanent marker and draw armpit hair on herself. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? Why would you do this? I mean, she's six. What what else is she going to do? Right? I mean, this is what kids do. They get into mischief a little bit. But as we are having to offer reminders to each other, and even receive reminders from each other. Are we doing this from within our mutual love relationship, or are we doing so out of our position and our rightness? Because here's the deal. We can approach people out of being right. We can be correct in the message we have, but at the same time be all wrong because of our lack of love. Are we loving each other in our dealings with one another? When we're on the receiving end of those dealings, are we receiving them as though they're coming from a friend? Are we choosing to hear them from a friend out of a love relationship? And when the interaction we get from someone is less than loving, are we loving them anyway? 
Are we giving them the grace to be discouraged in that moment, to be tired in that moment, maybe even to be depressed in that moment? Are we interacting on the basis of friendship and love, or are we interacting on the basis of position? Jesus said this in John chapter 13, verse 35. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Here it is. It, it has nothing to do with how right you are, how many degrees you have, how much you can bury somebody with facts or opinions or anything else. He says, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. And the love that he's talking about there is a love of service toward each other. It's offering forgiveness when somebody else doesn't deserve it, when they haven't earned it, when they haven't maybe even asked for it. You guys, let's give each other the benefit of the doubt and let's love each other. Let's put into practice 1 Peter 4.8, which says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. It's not that the wrongs done to us don't matter. It means that the way we overcome them is through love. Not through getting even. Not through revenge. Not through shouting back at somebody. It's through love. A huge part of how we do this is by using the tone of friendship with each other. Because our love for each other is the message. It's the very message of the gospel. Which brings me to the second thing I want us to see this morning. Number two, we base our lives on the gospel. We need to base our lives on the gospel. I said that Paul is going to use the tone. He's going to set the, the voice inflection, which is friendship, but he's also going to set the music for us. And the music that we need to set our lives to, that we need to, that, that we need to live by, is the gospel. I once had a co-worker come to me and tell me that my boss was unhappy with me about some things. And I out of insecurity and whatnot, I just, I, it, it set me off. I marched directly into my boss's um, office and, and I had a scowl on my face and my tone of voice was more confrontational and I was going to let them have it with both barrels only to discover just a couple of seconds into our interaction that apparently my coworker was just stirring the pot between me and my boss. They were trying to drive a wedge between me and my boss. And so the tune I was dancing to, that music I was dancing to in that moment, was self-preservation. I thought I needed to defend myself. I thought I needed to prove to my boss, listen, you have no right to be upset at me because I'm doing my best. Don't you see it? You guys, what is the overall tune that you dance to? What is the storyline you live your life out of? What is it that you've based your life on? I want us to hear again what Paul opens Philippians with. Here it is. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, 
grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in these two verses, Paul sets also the musical tone for our lives. God's holy, he uses the phrase, God's holy people in Christ Jesus. He, here he uses the phrase, God's holy people, to those predominantly who are Gentile believers. And this is very important. This is key, because for centuries, before Jesus came on the scene, God's people were made up of ethnic Jews. It's not that that people who were not uh, literally descendant from Abraham couldn't be brought in to, uh, to the people of God, but by and large, the one guaranteed way that you were going to be part of God's people was to be literally descendant from Abraham, okay? To be ethnically Jewish. They were God's holy, his chosen people. And we can see this in Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, where God says, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people and and, and you're going to be this nation of priests that I, I work my wonders through into the rest of the world. But now... God's holy, his chosen people are in Christ. It's not about what our ethnicity is. It's about who we trust in. It's about who we believe in. And any and all who are in Christ because of his life, death, and resurrection, and and that work that he has accomplished, those people are God's holy people. This is good news, you guys. If we are in Christ, this is true for us. But Paul, he, he kind of goes on beyond that, beyond just calling them God's holy people. He calls them God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Now, this is huge, and we cannot miss this. Not only are, are we as Christ followers God's people, but we are God's people where we are planted. Philippi was a colony of Rome, and there's a long history behind this, and a lot that uh, we're not going to get into this morning. But what one thing I do want to draw out here is that the purpose of a colony is to spread the culture, the values, the way of life, the rule of the kingdom that it comes from. In the case of Philippi, this meant that The people Caesar granted or graced land to and settled there in the Philippi area were representatives of Rome. Not only were they farmers, but they were representing Rome. They were bringing Roman culture, Roman values, Roman rule into that area where they lived. In effect, they were extending Rome to the Philippian and surrounding area. The way Paul addresses the Philippians at this point is clear. They are in Philippi, but they are there as a colony of heaven. A colony of God's kingdom, bringing God's rule, God's culture, God's values, God's very reign to the place where they live, where they work, where they have their families and their friends. And they have been made kingdom representatives. Listen, as part of God's people, you have been placed where you are at 
in order to do the same thing, to bring God's rule, his reign, his culture, his values, his very life into every area where you are at. That's our job. We are God's people in Puyallup, Washington. If you're not in Puyallup, you are God's people wherever you are at. Paul also uses this phrase. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God has given, he has gifted the believers in Philippi the gift of being his children. The gift of his presence and the result that comes out of that gift is peace. Everything being set right and in order through the working of God in his love. Through, through the work that Jesus accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection. And the fact that he, that Jesus, is the true Lord of the world, as opposed to Caesar. That was, that's something else in, in all of this, is that when Paul says that Jesus is Lord, he means that Caesar is not. Those of us in Christ have this same gift and peace. Are we living in it? Is this gift, is this peace informing our actions, our attitudes, the way we live? You guys, this is the music Paul invites us to dance to. It's, it's the context we're invited to live our lives by. The gospel, the good news, that the loving, gracious God has at long last established his rule and presence through Jesus Christ, his Son, and the continuing work of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing to earn because it's a gift. We have no standing that makes God beholding to us. He owes us nothing. And there's nothing that keeps us outside of God's all-encompassing love for us as acted out through Jesus because this is what God has determined to do. It has pleased him to do this. Do we live our lives in light of this reality? Is that the story we're living our lives by? Is that the story we're interacting with each other and, and other people in the world around us by? You guys, what is the music? What is the story you live your life by? Our challenge is going to be to align our living with the Jesus story. God's love on display in and through Jesus and Jesus' action for other people and toward God out of obedience. Living our lives in light of that. Philippians is a powerful letter that is born out of a friend's concern to help his friends to live their lives according to the gospel of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. And that's our challenge as well. Maintaining the bond of genuine affection and deep friendship with each other. 
and others as we live out the reality of the gospel right where we are at. In every search situation, in every circumstance, whether it feels good or it doesn't, the story is the story. The tone is the tone. This is the journey we're going to on as we look at this letter called Philippians. Now, to embark on this journey together, I want us to do something special. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We're going to take communion together. Okay, we're going to do it virtually. Uh, I realize you may not have juice. That's okay. Use water. Use coffee. Use whatever liquid you've got at hand. Use your favorite cracker or piece of bread. Um, the, the particular form that these elements take this morning isn't as important as us joining together in doing this. Because the act of communion not only commemorates who Jesus is and the Jesus story in our lives and, and the grace that God has given to us, which it does, which is vitally, vitally important. It's one of the biggest things that we're celebrating. But the other thing that communion does for us is that it brings us together. It says we are the people of God. So what I want us to do today is celebrate Jesus but I also want us to join together, even though we're separate, even though we're, we're doing this through our screens. Let's keep in mind that we are doing this together. And, and to, before we take communion, though, I've got a song that I want us to sing. I'm going to play a song, and I want to invite you to join with me. You may know the words. You may not know the words. Either way is okay. Just join with me or, or make this your prayer this morning. It's a song called Forever Rain. I love this song, and, and I think it's going to get us um, keyed up here and ready for communion. So here we go. Forever 
are more. You are more, you are more than my words will ever say. You are Lord, you are Lord, all creation will proclaim. You are here, you are here, in your presence I'm made whole. You are God, you are God, of all
no other name Jesus Jesus and oh we're running and oh we're running to your arms we're running to your arms the riches of your love will always be Nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world, forever reign. We're running to your arms, we're running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares your embrace light of the world forever Father we are running to your arms salvation. Let us be found in Jesus Christ this morning and every day of our lives. As I said, we're going to take communion together. And so what I want you to do is go grab your bread, whatever cracker, bread, whatever it is. Because this bread, it symbolizes God's or Jesus's broken body for us and together we're, we're doing this even though we're doing it through a screen even though we're not in the same room together even though maybe we're all using different elements we're joining together in remembering Jesus and and commemorating the fact that we are God's people right where we're at on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took that bread he broke it he gave it out he gave thanks for it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Jesus, thank you for your broken body. We take this together in remembrance of you and in proclamation that together we are your people. We're told that likewise, at the end of their meal together, Jesus took the cup. And whatever cup you've got, go ahead and grab that. Have that with you, whether it's coffee or water or juice or whatever else. Um, but take that because he said, this is my blood shed for you. It's the beginning of this new covenant between me and you, between uh, my God and your God. And, and that you are my people. So let's take this cup together. Jesus, thank you so much for your shed blood. That as we take this cup together, we are remembering 
your shed blood on the cross, the beginning of the new covenant made on our behalf that has brought us not only into your family, but brought us together. So we are unified. We are your people because of your action. Help us to live in light of this meal together, God. To live remembering Jesus every single day and being your people together, wherever we're at, wherever we're dispersed. In Jesus' name. God, be with us today as we as we go on with our lives. Help us to live in the tone, in, in the voice inflection with each other as friends, loving each other deeply, but also help us to live out the music of the gospel right where we're at, with each other, with our families, with, with neighbors, and, and even with our enemies, God, because that's ultimately what you've done for us. While we were still sinners, while we were your enemies, you, Jesus, died for us. Help us to live that life out. Challenge us in every area and aspect of our life and empower us by your Spirit to live that out. Maybe you're here and you haven't yet begun your life as a Christ follower, but you want to. You want to get in on the life of the kingdom of God. So I'm going to say a prayer. Just make it yours. Jesus, I'm in. I give you my life. I exchange my life for your life. Make me one of your people. Join me with your people that you have redeemed, that you have given the command to, to live your life and help me to live that life so that I can live your good news, your gospel, wherever I go in the love that you have called me to live it. Father, for anyone who made that prayer theirs, I ask that you would encourage, that you would empower by your spirit and that they would know, they would experience right here, right now in this moment, your very presence your love and your pleasure for them. And again, God, help us all to live as your people in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys, thank you so much for being with us. I look forward to being with you again next week. We're going to continue in Philippians. Go this week living that tone of friendship, that love toward one another and in light of the gospel. May you go in the grace of God and the love of Jesus Christ and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I love you guys and I'll talk to you later.